You're listening to the St John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Today's reading is from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that his, he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered together around him and asked him, Lord, at this time are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Are we there yet? If you're a parent, then you've probably heard those words, and if you've ever been a child, then you've probably said those words. On a long car trip, when it feels like you've been driving forever, when you just want to reach the destination and get out of the car, are we there yet? This same sense of impatience and weariness can come in other areas of our lives as well, even when we're not stuck in a car, when we're battling illness that takes so long to go away. Are we there yet? when we're wrestling with study and assignments that keep coming and the end of our schooling or degree seems so far away, are we there yet? When we're bogged down in a work project that's taking forever to complete, are we there yet? When we're navigating tricky relationships and feel like we're going over the same ground and fighting the same fights over and over again, are we there yet? When we can't understand God and his plans in the world, why doesn't he just act now to bring justice and stop suffering? Are we there yet? In today's passage from Acts 1, we see Jesus' followers asking this same question. Are we there yet? Not in exactly those words, but the sentiment is there. And as Jesus addresses their question, I think he helps us answer our own questions. In the midst of our own impatience and weariness, he helps us to locate ourselves rightly within God's plans for the world and to be encouraged to keep on going on the journey until we reach the destination. Today we're looking at Acts 1, 1 to 8, as part of our series, The Church on Mission. Now in this series, we're actually nearing the end of Acts and next week we'll do the final chapter, Acts 28. But today being Pentecost and also Reconciliation Sunday, I thought it was helpful to go back to the start of Acts, where Acts 1 sets the context for the whole book and reminds us where we're heading. 
In it, we see that God promises the Holy Spirit to his followers and calls us into his mission. So please open your Bibles to Acts 1, 1 to 8. Of course, Acts is part two of Luke's account of Jesus. Luke's gospel is part one. And as he says here in verse one of Acts 1, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. Jesus' ministry didn't end with his death on the cross. It didn't end with his rising from the dead either. It didn't even end when he went back into heaven. Luke speaks of these things as what Jesus began to do and to teach. Jesus is still active in the world, but now he works through his Holy Spirit and through his church. This is all part of God's unfolding plan for the world. In verse 3, we read about Jesus appearing to his followers. He provides them with convincing proof that he's risen from the dead. He spoke with them and ate with them. He was no delusion in their minds and he was no ghost. He was bodily risen from the dead. And he taught them about the kingdom of God, that is, the reign or the rule of God. The kingdom of God is present where people acknowledge God's rule and submit themselves to that rule, allowing God to have authority over their lives and living in accordance with his will and purposes. Verse 4 tells us that as Jesus was eating with his disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Jesus has suffered on the cross. He's risen from the dead. He's about to ascend back into heaven. And then he says, you'll receive a gift from God. The Holy Spirit will be poured out on you. You'll be filled with God's powerful presence. Just as has been promised and longed for throughout the Bible. This is a key moment in the history of the world. That's why we have a set day in our church calendar, Pentecost, to celebrate it. The risen and ascended King Jesus pours out the Holy Spirit on all his followers, all those who trust in him and acknowledge his kingship over their lives. Jesus tells his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait there until you've received the Holy Spirit, this wonderful gift from God. In chapter 2 of Acts, we see this promise fulfilled. As the disciples are gathered to pray, the Holy Spirit comes like a rushing wind and with tongues of fire. The decisive moment in salvation history occurs on that first Pentecost. From that moment onwards, the world is changed. The church is changed and you are changed. What I mean is this. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've said to Jesus, yes, yes, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Yes, Jesus, I trust you to forgive my wrongdoing and make me clean. Yes, Jesus, I am putting you in charge of my life. You're the boss 
and I'll follow you and live life your way. If you've done that, then you've also been given the Holy Spirit by Jesus to empower you. The Holy Spirit is not a special gift for leaders only or for supernatural, sorry, super spiritual Christians only or for good Christians only, whatever that means. When we say yes to Jesus, Jesus says yes to us. Yes, your sins are forgiven. Yes, I give you the Holy Spirit to empower you to live for me. If you have said yes to Jesus, then God's Spirit has been given to you. What a wonderful gift from God. That's the best gift you could ever receive. That's why we celebrate today at Pentecost. Now in Acts 1, Jesus' followers hadn't yet received the Holy Spirit. Jesus is just promising that it's about to happen. And that prompts the disciples to ask their, are we there yet question? Verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Great, Jesus. Are we there yet then? When you give us the Holy Spirit, is this the moment when you'll complete all your plans? Are we there yet? Now, it can be a challenge as a parent to remain patient when we're asked, are we there yet? especially when it's been asked multiple times and you're still hours away from the destination. So I reckon that Jesus does pretty well here in his patient response because the disciples have a few things wrong, even in the way that they frame the question and their expectations. They ask Jesus, is this the time? And Jesus essentially answers, no, verse 7. It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. We aren't there yet. And the only person who knows when God's plans will be completed is God himself. So no, the coming of the Holy Spirit is not when everything is wrapped up and completed. We still have a way to go yet. Now, we know this from our own experience, don't we? that despite having God's spirit in us, that we still experience pain, sickness, and grief. Del reminded us last week of Jesus' words that in this world you'll have trouble. Sometimes people assume that Christians should triumph in life by the power of the spirit. And then when trouble comes, uh, we get perplexed or our faith is rocked. What does that mean about God's love or about the strength of my faith? But no, Jesus warns us that we should expect challenges in this life. And the presence of the Holy Spirit in us is, is not an antidote to problems. We are not there yet. But the disciples also asked Jesus whether at this time he will restore the kingdom to Israel. Now this suggests that they've got a, a narrow view of God's plans. It seems that they have an earthly and political kingdom in mind, right? They want something to be restored. They want national Israel to be back in its rightful place with no Roman subjugation. 
But as Jesus has been teaching them, he's on about the kingdom of God, the reign and the rule of God. And this is international and not merely national. It's worldwide, multinational, multi-ethnic. It's a vision of God's rule that is way bigger than they've imagined or hoped for. And it's a spiritual kingdom. Spiritual, not in the sense of being disconnected from earthly realities. Uh, Spiritual, not in the sense of being disconnected from political realities either. But spiritual because it'll be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Spiritual because it will transform people from the inside out and change their hearts. Spiritual because the purity, truth, beauty and power of God will characterise this kingdom. Not only are we not there yet, but the disciples don't realise where we're going. So the coming of the Holy Spirit is not the we're there moment, but it is a decisive moment. It's a moment which will drive forward the next stage of God's worldwide plans. In verse 8, Jesus tells his followers, what the coming of the Holy Spirit means for us. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The first difference that the Holy Spirit makes for us is that he empowers us for the journey ahead. The Holy Spirit living in us gives us power as we follow Jesus and work for God's kingdom. Now, here's why that might be important for you to know in your life right now, especially if you are in a are we there yet moment. Maybe you feel weak and discouraged. Following Jesus seems like a hard hard work and an uphill slog. Uh, Your school, your workplace or your home feels like a hostile place for Christians and you're struggling to see God at work and any encouragement. I want you to be reminded that God's Spirit is living within you, that you take the power of God with you to school, to work, to home. Now, that doesn't turn you into a Marvel superhero, sadly, but it is an encouragement that you are not alone and that God is present with you. Or maybe you're just weary. Are we there yet? Perhaps you've been serving Jesus for a long time. Perhaps you're in the midst of a season that is especially tiring and challenging. You're just so tired. I want you to remember too that God's spirit lives in you to empower you. Again, that doesn't mean all-conquering power to leap over tall buildings. The power of the Holy Spirit sometimes means strength to get through the next week or even just the next day. Sometimes we think of the power of the Holy Spirit like the power of a race car as it screams down the finishing straight. But often the power of the Holy Spirit is more like the power of a four-wheel drive in low range as it pulls itself slowly up a muddy hill. Right? There needs to be power exerted to propel both of those cars forward, 
But one looks flashy and impressive because it has a flat and straight road and the other is pulling itself slowly through a quagmire. In the midst of the quagmires of life, God's spirit empowers us to keep going in low range, covered in mud, but moving forward as we keep on going with God. If you are in this sort of situation right now, then ask God to strengthen you by his spirit. Keep going slowly forward with him. Rely on his strength and not your own. And be encouraged that God's spirit lives in you and he's powerful to pull you through the mud. But Jesus also reminds us in verse 8 that the power of the Holy Spirit has been given to us for a purpose. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples have been told to wait in Jerusalem until they receive the Holy Spirit. But once receiving the Spirit, they're not to stay put at all. Like a rock dropped into a pond, the coming of the Holy Spirit is supposed to send the church out on mission starting in the city of Jerusalem, then to move through the region of Judea, then to cross ethnic boundaries into neighbouring Samaria, and they are to continue on to the ends of the earth. The message of the gospel is not to be kept contained and private. It's to be passed on and proclaimed. The kingdom of God is multinational, multilingual and multi-ethnic. People of all nations need to hear this good news. That is what it means to be the church on mission and what we've seen unfolding in the book of Acts. And friends, we are not there yet. <laughs> We're part of a worldwide mission to take the good news of Jesus to everyone, everywhere. In the past few weeks, I've had the privilege to do that in two different ways. I was privileged to go to Papua New Guinea and to work alongside pastors there as they seek to share Jesus in their towns and villages and to equip and empower their churches to serve Jesus. But I was also privileged to minister to the Persian church who meet here in this building, the nations which have come to us in Australia. We do need people who are willing to go to cross cultures and international borders for the sake of sharing Jesus. And maybe God is calling you to do that, to immerse yourself in a new culture and to serve as a cross-cultural missionary. But we also need people to just start where we are, to share the gospel with the people that we have daily contact with, to live out the truths of the gospel in our actions amongst those we live against. And that will necessarily include people from all nations who happen to live in our street, to go to our school, or who work with us. We are not there yet. And so there's work to be done. Speaking and living the message of the gospel, the multi-ethnic, multinational, and multilingual nature of the kingdom of God also calls us to be people who work for reconciliation. Our message is a message of reconciliation. We want people to be 
reconciled with God, the God who's a loving heavenly father and who longs for relationship with us. Through Jesus' life, death and resurrection, we can be reconciled with God through saying yes to Jesus. But we also need to be people who work for reconciliation amongst people. Saying yes to Jesus means saying yes to his way of life. It means saying yes to the kingdom of God as a multi-ethnic reality, where racial distinctions are not barriers to friendship, where racism has no place, where there's a willingness to offer forgiveness when wronged and a willingness to ask for forgiveness for wrongs done, to seek to change our behaviour, to listen to other people from different cultures and backgrounds, to give them a voice, to seek genuine and lived out reconciliation in practice as an outworking of our gospel commitment. This Pentecost, we're reminded that as followers of Jesus, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who sends us out to witness to the risen Jesus. The Holy Spirit who sends us to the ends of the earth and to people of all nations. The Holy Spirit who transforms our communities so that we live out the loving rule of God. The Holy Spirit who calls us to be reconciled with God through Jesus Christ and who calls us to reconciliation with each other. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.